an entrepreneurial th- professor. Uh, how did this start? So I was I was working in industry back in uh, in the late nineties. After my MBA, I was um, I was very fascinated with the hotel business. I always wanted to work for uh, Marriott. I like okay. the chain. Um, I've had some experience with them before. This was in Bulgaria. Yeah, this was in. Uh, I did my study, my MBA in Hungary. Hungary. But I had okay. spent some time in the U.S. before, and that's that's how I knew uh, Marriott. So I was very fascinated with the Marriott, and they had a beautiful hotel on the on the riverfront in Budapest. So as part of my MBA studies, I engaged with the uh, with the hotel. I did a um, independent study with them about launching a new a new brand. And so this was my entry point into um, gearing to work with them. So I, after finishing my studies, I, I got a I got a job there, and uh, I rose to become a director of finance. Um, so I was overseeing a couple of hotels. And um, this was in the Marriott. This was at the Marriott. Oh, nice. Yeah. So so it was it was the beginning of a of a hotel career, and, and there were conversations around where next, uh, when the next property is going to be, and there were plans about becoming a general manager at some point and, and maybe moving up the, moving up the hierarchy. Um, and then very interestingly, I saw, uh, I got an email one day uh, that London Business School was launching a new PhD program in entrepreneurship. Yeah. So now the year was 99, so um, you may not remember the dot-com boom, but there was a time where things were quite crazy. In the, the, in the, this was the first days of the internet. internet. Oh. So to give you some context, uh, the first browser was Netscape, Mosaic. Okay. Um, okay. And uh, Netscape went public as a company in 95. Then Yahoo went public in 96. Amazon went public in 1997. And so th- with these three IPOs a year apart, it, it, it launched a craze. Um, and it, it reached its peak in the, in the early 2000s. That's where the bubble burst. So that was the that was the days of the internet, web 1.0, as they, as, they okay. would, as they would call it. So at the time, everybody was talking about uh, startups and venture capital and entrepreneurship. And it was in this context that I, I see this uh, email from London Business School. They were launching a, a new PhD in entrepreneurship. Okay. And a part, of the, part of the understanding was that um, at least their selling point was that uh, over the next many years, entrepreneurship would be uh, quite a prominent area within uh, universities. And in a very pragmatic level, you need people to teach it. And so that was their logic for launching it as, a, as, a, as an area of study in the PhD. So I was, um, I was, I was very intrigued. Uh, it was the deadline was a week, uh, a week later, and, and I, uh, it was on the, on the grounds that you always regret that you always regret the things you didn't do rather than the things you did do uh, yeah so i thought if i so i i i, I put in the application and and um, and of course several uh, sometime later i was accepted i was given full scholarship and so the question oh, wow. was do i give up my my career and go and become a student again oh. or or um, or do i stay with the career so that was that's where the uh, you never regret the things you always regret the things you, you didn't do. So I thought I don't want to spend the rest of my life thinking what would have happened if I had if I had gone. And How old were you by then? Uh, I was twenty-five. And oh, you had already like risen up pretty high in the in in like the Marriott table uh, hierarchy, and then and then you decided to like quit and go for a PhD. Yes. Oh, that must be a tough decision. It was enough because you because you also um, I mean you you're. 
you've risen up a level, and so you're in the kind of in the in the top level business community in Budapest and Hungary. You get invited to embassy receptions and big corporates. So you're you're a part of the part of the local um, business community uh, in a kind of a prominent part, yeah. and you trade that for becoming a PhD student, which means within the academic hierarchy, you're going down to the bottom of the pile. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and um, so you got accepted full scholarship. How was it initially? So I'm sure, like when you were 25, you must have not been a student for five. No, MB. Yeah, you must have not been a student for a few years. And how is it getting back into that? And what kind of research did you do? More importantly, well, I mean, it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't hard. I mean, I was there was always something in me that that likes learning and. And studying, so even even this continues to this day. So this was not, even if I was away from studying, the idea of studying was not was not scary. It was a different type of studying because you go in for this research degree. Yeah. Um, the most difficult bit was, I thought that that with with a degree I would go back and work in industry, maybe in consulting and in places like that. But one of the things that is done as part of the socialization is this idea that you do a PhD mostly to become an academic. Yeah. So it took me a while to uh, resign to the idea that um, I would become an academic, but uh, but I did. So when, you, I, when I did my MBA, we did we did um, we did a an assessment of your skills and values, and and um, one of the things that comes at the back of it, it tells you what. What uh, professions you're suitable for? So I had my uh, I had my profile, and I really wanted my profile to say top executive CEO and all that. <laughs> but my profile said university professor. What? Yes, oh, and this was like uh, this was like a career account. Like so, this was uh, this was one of the one of the jobs that were fitting with my learning style. Was was a university professor, and I I, I wanted the other one. I wanted the <laughs> uh, the uh, the executive. Uh, what? So you went into PhD like not expecting uh, to become professor after that, or you expected that okay this could be this this could go a different direction here. Well, I, I mean, I everything was open ended. I didn't know, but so I wasn't because I didn't know much about academia and, and, yeah. and about becoming an academic, and I, I was I was always intimidated by the idea of writing, and so you know academics write papers and publish papers, and so I, I didn't I didn't think that was a uh, um, your cup would, of tea. would it be the, my, my cup of tea? Yeah. But uh, in retrospect, it's probably the best decision I made. <laughs> I didn't know it at the time. And you were like 25. Like, were you uh, like were you married by then, or I just got married? Just got married. That was a big on the decision. way on the way to to switching, you know, towards becoming a PhD student. I got married on the way. So yeah, that must have been a big decision. <laughs> so everything everything was uh, yeah uh-huh. came came together. Did you um, like? Did you ever uh, decide? Like, did you do you ever be an entrepreneur? Did you ever start your own business? Because I know you're still doing consulting, but what about your own business type of thing? I well, two things. I I, I have, and I I'm, uh, I'm I'm running a couple of a couple of outside businesses now. So like so what? the direct the direct answer is uh, would be would be yes. The indirect answer would be uh, that entrepreneurship is not necessarily about starting a business. So you can be entrepreneurial without necessarily starting a business. So okay. it can be you can work for a company and launch and lead a new initiatives to develop a, a new product, to launch a new venture, uh, to launch a new division. That's that's being entrepreneurial. Mm. Um, 
here as a as a professor in this in this university. Um, I helped uh, design and I helped launch the, the new masters in, in entrepreneurship and management. And now I'm uh, leading the development of a new online master's degree in entrepreneurship management and innovation. So these are new initiatives. These are doing new things, being you know obviously in innovative, and that requires entrepreneurial skills. The decision to go from a corporate career to a PhD in entrepreneurship, so that's being entrepreneurial in life, where you're going you're going for the uncertain, you're going for the unknown, you're going for the... So you can be entrepreneur in life, in the way... So, so entrepreneurial is a, is, a, is, a, is a much broader concept than, than we have just launching a business. Because mm. th think about it, think about it the other way around. You can, you can launch a very simple business. Let's say you're good at plumbing, you work at a company, you work as a plumber, uh, and you, you send to jobs, you do the jobs very well, and then you say, well, actually, I can do this on my own and you register as self-employed, the next day takes you a day, and now you're a self-employed plumber, you have your own business, you, you can have your business cards, everything, you have a plumbing business, and you do exactly the same thing as you did before, except now you run your own books as well. So that's technically launching your own business. Mm. But probably that's not what you had in mind when you're thinking about entrepreneurs and startups. No, I do have that in mind. Yes. Uh, but uh, what, what do you mean that uh, it's I, I don't have that in mind so you said you said that it's right like entrepreneurs very different in nature um, even like entrepreneurs more on innovation side or it's more on the business side of it well it's a it's a mixture it's a mixture not all entrepreneurs are innovative not all innovators are entrepreneurs okay you can you can, you can put it like this and in entrepreneurs a startup is only one way of being entrepreneurial it can be entrepreneurial within a company it can be it can be entrepreneurial as a student in the way you approach things in the way you organize things you can be an entrepreneur in society so a social entrepreneur we try to solve social problems by using entrepreneurial means it could be an entrepreneur in your family business when you're trying to you know develop it in yeah. a, in a new yeah. direction um you i see you have been teaching entrepreneurship since how many years since 2004 so 15 years 15 years. Where, uh, where did you teach before Bath? So my first job was at the IE Business School in Madrid, um, in, in Spain. So that's the job I moved from London. Um, then I moved to the U.S. I spent uh, some time, four years at the University of Connecticut, oh, okay. the School of Business there, uh, and moved to the U.K. I was at Newcastle University for two years. And How was it then? It came, came down to, uh, to Bath. Uh, to Bath yeah. How was it? Like, after all, you must have traveled quite a bit. Of all these places, like, did you have any places that were favorite? Well, they're all, they're all favorite. They all have favorite bits. So every yeah. every place is is, um, is is good in that sense. Uh, and and they were they were the things. They were always the thing that enticed you to move to that place. So that means that every 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 place is attractive in its own way, and that's part of um, shaping me to become who I am. <laughs> that that's a good answer. And so in entrepreneurship, like you've been teaching since so many years and you started studying it 20 years ago. Um, have you have seen a change and a shift in entrepreneurship over the years in terms of mindset or uh, in terms of how entrepreneurs behave and entrepreneurship in general? Have you seen a shift in tone? Well, the main shift in is in, in how, um, how widespread and, and popular entrepreneurship has become. So people talk about almost a, an entrepreneurial revolution in the sense that 
everybody is talking about entrepreneurship in one in one form or another. Yeah. Um, and you can actually see this uh, probably as a result of the way technology is developed, particularly with the um, um, with the internet, yeah. uh, with the with the communication thing. So now, the cost of becoming an entrepreneur is very, very, very low. So the cost of trying things out, I mean, you can have a, a website up and running in no time. You can mock things up. You can have something going very quickly, and and, and that, that was not the case uh, before all this infrastructure was was in place. Yeah, I'm pretty confused. Like before, uh, before like in 1990s and even earlier than that. How was marketing done uh, if without the internet? So, I mean, it was done with what was available at the time. You had uh, TV advertisement, you had yeah. billboards, you have magazine advertisement, you have newspaper advertisement. So this was the media at the time. Um, you may think, well, how did people live before, live before phones were around? And surprisingly, they did. And, and they were, you know, it was, a, it was a pretty happy life. When I was a kid, I would go on a, on a school trip Without any phone, so my, yeah. I would leave, and my parents would have no idea where we are and what is happening. And we're going to be, we, they just know we're going to arrive home four days later. And imagine what is today. Today, everybody's, <laughs> oh, I want an update. Have they arrived? Are they safe? It is. So, so every technology creates creates its own problems. Um, and and so one of the one of the this, what you have today is this expectation that everything needs to be instantly uh, responded to. Yeah. I know about this. There was a day when people. There were days when people communicated via office memos. I write a memo, so there will be a piece of paper. I put it in my outbox in the office. Someone takes it, takes it to the other person in the organization. So they would get it the next day or later in the same. Or you can send it by mail, so they would get it. So when you when you write a memo, you know that you're not going to get a reply for another week. <laughs> and, and this was and this was this was fine. And this 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 how people progress. And now you send an email, and the person has responded within five five minutes uh, yeah. people start getting nervous uh, that's just the way and the way things have so that's how things have changed everything seems to have gathered pace <laughs> and I once I, I was at um, a restaurant I was eating alone and there was another old man sitting right next to me and he was eating alone okay and I decided talking to him and uh, he was like almost he was I think around 80 so I asked him like I always want to like learn from people who are older and more experienced you always should and I asked him so uh, you have lived quite a long life, and you must have had a lot of experiences. If you had to give me any advice, and I'm, what, 22, I think, yeah, yeah uh, at that time, and then ask him any advice, would you give me what, what would it be? First thing he told me was that um, uh, your phone in your hand is not, that, is not as important as you think. And I said that, uh, why do you feel so? He said, I lived my entire life without one, and I, I turned out just fine. It really doesn't, it really doesn't matter I get, I understand that you know uh, he told me after um, that he was reading some article and after uh, like internet and everything was invent like a mountain invented, uh, business had improved by six hundred percent overall around the world, and but also depression had Im- like increased by four hundred percent. He said everything has its ups and downs. It all depends on how you use it, which I which I took very strongly. And the second advice he gave me was find a nice woman to be with. <laughs> So good. I mean, here's a. You can take this further. I mean, we did a. Just came back from a, a trip in Sicily, and yeah. they had some very nice archaeological sites there, and you can see things from uh, five eight hundred BC and some of the structures still remaining. So what is interesting is if if the power went off today, and 
and you know there was a Armageddon, power went off today and everything was buried and everything else was discovered a thousand years later. Most of the things that we've actually created today, most of the things that are interesting, all the digital stuff, um, no one will ever be able to access in the future in an archaeological sense. The only thing that they're going to have is maybe out of this phone, they get some of the, the, the some of the metal remains and that's it. They will have no idea all the digital stuff around it. So you turn the power off and everything is gone. Yeah, because everything is digital. So everything digital, everything's electronic, and all it takes is to turn the power off. And then it's just gone. And then it's gone. Then and then you think about think about you know the, the, when we rely so much on even everything digital, and then I mean even to the point that people no longer read street signs and directions when they drive. They just follow. Yeah. Just follow what this uh, and and this. I mean, uh, the, the research is accumulating. So so it took uh, quite a long number of years to to demonstrate the link between smoking and health because it takes a while for this research to to accumulate. Some of the cancer links are being made now. That takes you know twenty thirty years of research to establish this beyond reasonable doubt. So it takes a while to establish the link between. You know, using this in a, in a, in the extensive way in which, but but that's going to come 10, 20 years down the line. It changes the way we think, changes the way we we, we problem solve problems, and uh, we don't know what it's going to be, but we know that there is a we know that there is a there will be an effect. So, in entrepreneurship, um, okay, what what do you think is the most important quality an entrepreneur should have? Why does he have to be one? Okay. Uh, so, so part of it. Yeah, so, so, definitely. so part of. I mean, so, so I, 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 there's a reason I responded like this. Part of it is to, to push back on this, uh, on this notion. We want to reduce things to. We want to simplify things, reduce them to one thing. Um, so it's not. It's not. So, so. Let me give you. Let me give you the long answer. Uh, if you ask me. If you ask me. If I say, what's the quality that a chess player should have? What's the one quality that a chess player should have? Intelligence. But intelligence is a is a is a you know what does that mean? It's because wrong. intelligence is it has many yeah, has many facets, wrong. and so if I say and if you say what's the what's the one quality that an entrepreneur? Well, I can say curiosity. I can say passion. I guess although passion is it's not something i mean i guess you you you, you develop to a to degree a passion for things but you need curiosity you need passion uh, you need learning so intelligence as well you need to be a a good learner because entrepreneurship is about pushing boundaries and and kind of going along with 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 what happens and, and learning uh, working with others so that's that's around social skills uh, so there's quite a quite a range of quite a range of abilities it's very hard to reduce it to one thing yeah i know there are quite a lot you know persistence and passion and you know knowledge reading uh, everything yeah it comes but was you know i'd come uh, personally uh, or i think it's most important attribute if i name one thing an entrepreneur has uh, is the ability and power to say no because when an entrepreneur knows and has ability, I don't know if you agree with me in this, but you are a professor, you'll mess be more, you you'll be knowing better. But I just I believe that whatever I've read and learned is that when entrepreneurs uh, in general, uh, at least the ones who are starting out, have the power to say no, they have the power to make a lot of sacrifices. Then to say no to a lot of people, a lot of things, to say no to a lot of plans, and then 
keep it going and keep doing whatever they are doing and which will eventually lead to success if they keep it going but this is what i feel was the most important as if i choose what most important thing what do you think about that so so you would choose that over over knowledge and skills and intelligence and social skills <laughs> and curiosity i mean if you had to choose one thing is this the thing you're going to you're going to choose i mean incidentally there are a lot of people who have the ability to say no yeah. and they're not necessarily so so that the ability to say no I and mean, that applies to anywhere my work is an academic in research i have to have the ability to say no so i can focus on projects that i find meaningful if you want to write a book you want to you want to you know, set out the block of time, so you focus, so you concentrate on that, so you have to have the ability, so anyone who is working in a focused manner on, on something has to have the ability to say no, right, yeah. so that's, but, but that's a, that's a, you know, necessary but not sufficient, most of the things, in fact, we can have a, a low, uh, we can, we can have a list of things, and each of these will be necessary but not sufficient. Yeah, that's, that's true. Each of these, yeah, because it's not really one thing that makes it up. It's like there's a lot of bricks and towers that eventually make it up, which, which is why every single thing is necessary. Yeah, I'm, but I, what I was trying to say was it was more in the sense of if I had to just pick one thing that I think is that stands out the most for me is what I said. But well, I, I'm I'm a I'm a see my academic role in 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 the scientific sense. I have to push back yeah. and say, <laughs> I have to say, well, why do you, you know, from where does this conclusion come? You need to have grounds and reasons for the argument that you're proposing. So that must come from somewhere. It must, because maybe maybe I find it difficult to say no. Uh, and maybe that's why I feel that maybe because it's so difficult to say no all the time, maybe that's why I feel it, it could be the most important thing. So, you know, for you, so, so it's an interesting angle. So that means for different people, different things are different, important. Yeah. Because when you, um, when you pose the question in terms of what is the most important thing, when I engage with that question, I want the most important thing for me to be the thing that I don't have, but is the next thing on my list to acquire. If you see what I mean. So the most, the most important thing for anyone is the skills that they do not yet have, but is the next on the list to acquire. Ah, yeah. So maybe that was that's that's I guess, th- yeah. that's next on your list, <laughs> yeah. and that's why it's important. So, but but that you know back to back to, if if someone is natural uh, with, with with social skills, and and someone says the, the most important thing is having social skills, and that person would think, well, I have social skills, but I I don't <laughs> feel ready to become to be yeah. to be an entrepreneur. So for for that person, it will be something else. But social skills are extremely important. You have, you need them because when you have social skills, you're putting yourself out there more, which leads you to have more opportunities and chances, right? So, um, I mean, yes. I mean, there's a there's a big element of selling and big element of uh, communicating with others. And, and if you think about, if you think about um, what entrepreneurship is. In in forget startups or another thing. An entrepreneurship is is in a way you have a. You have a vision for something. You have an opportunity that you think is is worthwhile pursuing, and 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 people have different opinion of that. So you have to communicate and convince them to organize the world according to your plans. And that and that's a, and that's a, that's a, requires quite a lot of quite a lot of selling. Um, in terms of entrepreneurship, like you have worked in it for twenty years, and 
like you were saying how it's changed and evolved so now do, what do you see what do you see it have what do you see it where do you see it going in the future it's already like you you said it's much more technical now and everyone is much more into it which i fully agree with do you think if if i if i um like this podcast that you are in if i start marketing this and uh, i start owning from this and stuff like that will i be considered an entrepreneur yeah would you consider yourself an entrepreneur i would love to in the future but right i mean it's not a it's not a an entrepreneur is not a it's not a label you earn it's not as like a degree you earn the, <laughs> you earn, you pass the exams and you get a you get a master of science degree and then you're a master because that's what the that's what the degree says it's it's not a i mean it's it's a word it's a word that we use to describe something right entrepreneur is 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 a word in in our language and we describe it use it to describe either people who organize things and create create something new whether it's a, it's a startup or not um but i i've uh, recently become aware of another uh, of a more interesting origin of the word entrepreneur um and that's from uh, the um, uh, ancient sanskrit language and in sanskrit uh, there's an expression antaprana uh, which means inner motivation or inner breath of life so so taken in that sense entrepreneurial is taking something that you find interesting you want to make it your own you want to you want to create and you go along with that so with the podcast that's your own creation yes you're an entrepreneur um i was asking you about the future of entrepreneurship in general how how do you see it panning out to be more of it more diverse uh, kind of in all facets uh, i mean it's 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 a difficult uh, a difficult one to it's think, a difficult yeah. question it's like what's the future of chess yeah. <laughs> or what's the future of tennis of tennis or what's the future of football you know we we're, yeah. we're going to continue to play football and uh, i mean the momentum is now it becomes more and more popular it becomes increasingly a career of choice it becomes a, a increasingly a mechanism for people to find self expression yeah uh, it's, it comes on the back of, of this idea that you're going to have a career in one company you're going to work in one company for a number number of years so that's so in that sense um maybe it's going to become the new normal but yeah i de- i definitely agree with that because out of all the research i've done um entrepreneurship i think everyone like at some point is going to work for themselves and that in general could be an entre- could be an entrepreneurship sense and it's only going to increase because millennials they don't, don't they don't even see the meaning of a, a normal job anymore like a lot of millennials they don't see the meaning of 9 to 5 and they would do whatever not to work under somebody and just to be free spirited you don't see the meaning behind just a regular life regular job anymore which is why i think in the future more and more people um will be just working for themselves and will be more creative and more entrepreneur entrepreneurial in nature i guess so so take that i mean it's an interesting i want to take that thought and just push it to the extreme <laughs> okay all right so this is you have a uh, so you have a generation where no one wants to work for somebody else yes. so put this put this to the logical conclusion that anybody who starts a business to grow the business needs to hire people <laughs> but if no one else wants to work for them yeah. then you're going to push this to the extreme you have this so then you have this extreme population of one person businesses 
so then the, 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 the economy becomes this one huge gig um, marketplace. What do you think of that? You think that's positive? If it is what it is, then then yeah, I mean, <laughs> it it's it seems uh, it seems quite quite far fetched from where we are today. But yeah, why not? Yeah. If you if uh, any student or someone came to you and was looking for advice and seeking some advice and help on how to start out his business or start up and anything, what is the first initial guidelines step by step that you would give him along the way? So I mean, there's there's a number a number of things. Um, the first one is is um, be clear about what they're trying to do, try to try to articulate, try to define, try to understand that. Um, be see this as a learning journey. Um, in the sense that um, in the process of trying to do this, they're going to learn about themselves. They're going to learn about a particular market or a particular area would be technology or something else. Uh, they need to be, um, you know, learning is also working with whatever happens along the way and build and perhaps change direction and, and reiterate your idea uh, in a sense. So, so you have to you have to try things out. You have to try things try things out, and uh, on the basis of how that works out, you build on that or you you you, you change direction. So you try things out, but you also need to have a clear sense, some clear sense of what is it that you're trying to do and why. Because without any 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 vision or without any kind of rough sketch of a plan, it's very difficult to learn from what happens. Because even I'm like in this podcast, like like this, also, I'm pretty unclear on how uh, that how about how things goes because uh, it's August now, and you must be aware that in September it'll, the course will end. So every student will probably go back or has probably gone back already, and that's why I was a little unclear on that. And how do I get this? Because this is a university podcast at the end of the day, and um, it will get more like most rec- the easiest recognition that you can get here is through word of mouth because uh, the entire university could preferably be a niche because uh, they can like one person the alumni can tell someone else and it can go on and go on and go on and then probably become something bigger and this because uh, it's a university podcast I was listening to one uh, like one lecture by this person from Stanford who said that it's better to create a product that a few people love than something that a lot of people like what what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, it's it's uh, it makes sense. Um, but do you also, ever follow this or something? But it's uh, I mean, sorry. do you ever follow something like this? No, I mean, it's it depends on it depends on what your um, what your goal and what you what you uh, what your mission is. Uh, so it is true, but you know, you can do something on a small scale that that, that some people love. But um, if you want to operate at scale, if you want to build something big, by by definition, it cannot be something that a lot of people are going to... It's impossible for a lot of people to love something because people are very diverse. So some people would love it, but quite a lot of people would like it. So, exactly. Uh, yeah. You know, think about, think about um, education. What's the goal of education? It's to educate 
everybody, everybody yeah. to a minimum level. So, you know, a lot of people would like it. Oh. And a few people, but, but it's not about educating a handful. If, you, if, you, if your goal is to educate these five people, they would create something completely bespoke and customized and they would love it. But if your goal is to educate everybody, then you have to, you know, there's, there's quite a lot of diversity. So you have, to, you have to find the lowest common denominator. And inevitably that means that everybody's going to like some aspect of it, but you're not going to like other aspects of it. Yeah. You know, like saying this, um, you is, is there any uh, company or an entrepreneur whose um, whose values or beliefs or the way he handles or construct he or she handles or constructs a business that you really admire or you really would like to preach into other people? One of the things I like, um, and I use this now in in some of my classes, is the annual letter to shareholders that uh, Jeff Bezos, the, the uh, founder and CEO of Amazon, writes. Yeah. So he writes an annual shareholder letter, and it's usually around the theme. But at the end of each letter, he appends the original letter that he wrote to the shareholders back in 1997 when Amazon <laughs> went public. public yeah. So this is an example of someone who, who organizes things around several key principles and... And, and, and every year kind of reminds people to, to kind of stick around and stay with these. So one of the, some, of, some of these are quite interesting. Uh, that he wants to operate in business all the time as if it's day one of the business. Day one is this idea of having, having no legacy, having nothing to protect. You're always hungry for new things and trying new things out. You are, like, how is growing up now? Uh, where did you, like, how did you um, reach, uh, I was going to ask you, like, how did you reach, like, always in this, uh, through this podcast, I want to know the people's stories and how they reached this point and struggles. So I just wanted to talk to you, like, a few minutes about that. Okay, so how, how was it growing up? How were you as a child and what, what aspects of personality you carry forward? I guess there were two things I liked as a child. I liked playing football and I like maths. You watch football still? I, a, lot, a lot less than I, than I used to, but I was very much into football. So there was okay. two things I was, I was good at. I was good at maths and I was good at football. Okay. And it was a, it was a tension that, that went all the way through school. There <laughs> um, came a point where I had to make a choice. Where do I play the football game on the Sunday or do I go to the math uh, Olympiad? <laughs> And, what uh, did you choose? And, and so, so uh, I even had my um, football coach come home and talk to my parents. Wow! And it must end, have been good. It was the it was the pragmatic thing of choosing the math over the uh, my chances of of becoming a, a a a good footballer were probably a lot less. Yeah, yeah. Than, than you went the for the math. I went for the maths. Yes. <laughs> you you a, must have been a really good, good player. Uh, well, I, I thought I was good, but, yeah. you know, in the grand scheme of things. Um, that's the thing about, I mean, think about grassroots football this day. I mean, everybody's talking about the Premier League and, and the players there. Yeah. But if you imagine the number of players who sits underneath that, the number of players who do not make it to the Premier League, it's actually quite staggering. Yeah, it must be. And, and these are people, so, so you can ask the question, what is it a... Is it a good idea to try to make a living as a professional footballer? And if you actually look at the odds and the numbers, uh, that might be uh, maybe a tricky. If you look at the math, <laughs> might be it might be a tricky. But it's the same the same question with the odds of, you know, becoming one of these. You know, everybody talks these days about unicorns. 
what are the odds of becoming a unicorn? Two in a million, if you go by by rough statistics. Oh. Right. So, yeah. so, so you have uh, you have one percent of venture capital funded companies that may reach a unicorn status, but you have to recognize that only 0.2% of startups are actually funded by venture capital. 0.2%. So, so you're looking, if you need, if you need, 0.2 or 0.02. Anyway, it works out to two in a million. Wow. Uh, so, so think about it. I mean, the number of, the number of startups is huge. Um, so every, everything, I mean, you got you to think about, um, I mean, in sport, the analogy is, is, is the most uh, intuitive, but... Uh, if you're a football camp, you know, there's a World Cup coming up, yeah. right? So there's going to be 32 teams in the World Cup. Yeah. Correct? I'll make a bold prediction, and I'll tell you that one team is going to win the World Cup. Okay. So you say, well, that's not very insightful. So uh, we know one team is going to win it, but we don't know, we don't know which team. We don't team, know which, yeah. Right? So, <laughs> so, and that's the, that's the thing. But everybody tries to win it. And we know that by design, only one would win it. Yeah. And I can tell you something else. Whatever team wins it, all the players who are going to be on that team are alive today. And they're playing on teams today. Yeah. And you're probably going to watch them over the weekend. Yeah. Right? You just don't know that three years later they're going to be winning the World Cup. Hmm. So, so think about it. So you have a, when 32 teams start out, only one is going to make it. That's by design. So even if all 32 work extremely hard, only one's going to win it. So you have a similar structure in business. You have millions and millions of startups. Everybody may want to may want to be extremely successful. At the end of the day, the way things are going to stack up, there's always a handful of winners, and these are our Googles and Facebooks and yeah, uh, everything in nature in social. Um, you know, what is the most stable shape in nature? It's the pyramid. So everything else sorts itself in the form of a pyramid, which means there is always a few things at the top, and there's always a very wide base. So no matter how much you try to get to the top. Things sort itself out, and it always looks like a pyramid. Because when everybody scales the top, it kind of avalanches down, yeah. and it still remains as a pyramid. Wow, it makes sense to be honest. It does make sense. So, 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 what does that mean? That means is that is that meant to be discouraging? No, that means don't focus, don't set the goal of you know I want to be the next Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates. That's not a that's not a, because the the odds are. Try to set a goal in terms of something that you like and enjoy. Try to set a goal in terms of the, the I want to do this because I find it interesting. Yeah. Right? And then and then you know then it moves, momentum moves will build on, and, yeah. and uh, um you know like uh, I I I don't know if this is true but as of recently there there are a lot more startups like people have shifted much more to startups I, I, that this question was even sent to you in the email like uh, there are a lot more startups than businesses today. Is that true? Like, it's always uh, been the case. It's always been the case. It's always right? been the case. So if you think of, I think of uh, the tra traditionally the focus on on business or or strategy. When we talk about big companies, uh, and it companies who employ you know tens of thousands uh, or more. I mean, there's only about twenty thousand of those companies in the world. Oh, that's it. But does society benefit from this from the smaller startups in general? I mean, of course, they actually create the most jobs. They are creating the most jobs. Uh, the startups. Yeah. It's, it's but so so most most businesses, you know, ninety five. I mean, I I would I would 
fumble the statistics a little bit, but as a rough to, for rule of thumb, you have 95 to 99% of businesses employ five people or less. Oh. That's always been the case. So, so you think... Um, you think that you think that there's more of them simply because we're talking about them more, but yeah, that's but that's not that's not necessary. They've always been around. Startups, you know, this this small businesses, self-employment, that's always been around. In some economies, that's the that's the predominant that's the predominant structure of economic activity. Uh, and it's we probably talk about that more because now we have this word entrepreneurship that's become widespread. So all, yeah. the, all of a sudden, if you look at if you look at um, with autism, once there was a great definition in how it gets diagnosed, if you look at the data, you see a spike in cases of autism. Not because there are more cases of autism, because people are not paying attention, they're properly diagnosing it. So in the, same, in the same way, we're talking about startups, because all of a sudden we look at things and say, look, a startup, <laughs> a startup, a startup. So it's, uh, it's a, I mean... I say this as a, as a, it might be interesting to, to think about and explore uh, whether, I mean, I don't know whether the number of startups is, 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 is really growing. We know that as a, as a prevalence rate, there's always been a percentage of the active population that are in the process of starting a business. That's always been the case, but we just talk about it more. I feel stupid now not thinking about that, but <laughs> it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, I, I wanted to ask, talk to you about your thesis. Um, this, this is about understanding why, if you look at entrepreneurial outcomes, they follow a long tail distribution. Which is okay. This, which means you have a few big successes and a lot, and quite a lot of mediocre or failures or small, or small outcomes. So you can see a long tail distribution. I was talking about employment, right? Most, most businesses, over 90%, employ one person. Zero or one person. Then you have quite a few that employ one to five. Uh, some more that would employ five to ten. A very, very small number of businesses employ more than ten. More than, oh. And a very small percentage would employ more than 100,000. Or, you know, you have HSBC Bank. They just announced they're laying off 5,000 people. Their global workforce is 250,000. <laughs> this is a this is part of the long tail. It's a it's a it's a, in that sense it's an outlier. It's a very very small percentage. That's what a long tail distribution is. Wealth has a long tail distribution. Yeah. You know you heard yeah. the you know the the, the 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 eight wealthiest people own as much wealth as the bottom fifty percent. Yeah, I know. That's so that kind of distribution, we've known it for for a while in in for quite a lot of social phenomena. The size of cities, number of friends. Uh, I mean, this this uh, size of earthquakes. Uh, there's both natural and so. Turns out, entrepreneurial phenomenon actually follow the same kind of inter, uh, distribution. Same distribution. Well. Same yeah. distribution. So these are your Google and Facebooks and the long tail, and then you have your little corner shop with one employee <laughs> and a very small scale business at the at the other. So this work was understanding the mechanisms through which some of this some of this arises. Uh, that's interesting. And so one one just just to give you just to give you a flavor, one one simple mechanism here is if you look at a, at entrepreneurship as a very complex task. Think about everything that needs to needs to happen for your business to be successful. You got to develop a product. You got to find the money. You got you to sell it. There's there's quite a lot. Yeah. So think about it as running with hurdles, right? Then you have to go through one hundred hurdles. 
Yeah. And you only make it if you go through one, through all the hurdles. Yeah. So to succeed, everything needs to go right. To fail, only one need things to go right. Only one thing needs to go wrong. So if you line up a bunch of people here at the start, and they have to go through the hurdles, some would stumble on the first hurdle, some would stumble on the second, some would stumble on the first, and very, very few will make it all the way through. And when you plot that, it's going to have that kind of shape. Oh. Have you like taught this in your classes? So I, I have it, yes. Yeah. My, and I, I explored some of that in my in my book. I wrote a book in oh, which book? 2006, in The Reflective Entrepreneur. The Reflective Entrepreneur? Yeah. So I, I call this, um, this is a, a discussion in the book as part of what I call the tension of skill versus luck. Skill versus luck. Yeah. So you would say, you know, is success down to skill or down to luck? I would say mainly skill, a little bit of luck. So that's, that's the point. It's, it's not skill plus luck, it's skill times luck. Skill times luck. So which means... Ah. It can be as skillful as you want, but if you like if you like that little bit of luck, it's the whole thing is going to be zero. And equally, it can be it can be as lucky as you as, as anyone can be if you, if you don't have that minimum level of skill. skill huh? So you gotta you know this is this is kind of a, this is the idea of, of of a multiplicative process, which is this jumping through the hurdle. Yes. So and any anyone's stories would hinge on on. You know, there's that woman in, in their life where they were where they were lucky. So I'm here as a professor, yeah, right. And I'm here only because I received this email back in '99 to tell me about the PhD program in London Business School. So I could have just deleted the email because I was busy or going to a meeting and said I'm not interested in the PhD program. But for some reason, I took the time to read it and that triggered things. I could have easily deleted it, and by deleting it, I would not be here not today. Be here. So, so if you think about your life, your life hinges, your life is defined by events like this. That in retrospect, you would think, wow, if, if things, you know, there was just a little bit, they happened just a little bit differently, I would not be, you know, things would not be in the same way as they are, as they are today. You know, but I've heard, I've heard somewhere that um, business is not a skill, or entrepreneurship is not a skill. Like economics is a skill, maths is a skill, football, finance is a skill. Entrepreneurship is not a skill. It's just something. Do you know? Understand? What you understand what I'm trying to say? It's just something that because so many people who are not, they've not studied it or something like that. They've not studied entrepreneurship. They just keep it going, and they become successful. So, simply because you haven't studied something doesn't mean it doesn't require skill. I'm not saying it does not require. Skill. So so. Selling is a skill. Yeah. Running finances is a skill. Marketing is a skill. Organizing your operations is a skill. Managing people is a skill. All these things you require as part of running a business. That's pretty much skills. Yeah, skills, right? yeah. Formulating strategy, that's a skill. Raising funds, that's a skill. skill. Communicating uh, in a in a visual in a visual way, skill. Pitching, skill. Definite skill. So it's all skills. Yeah. Is that, are they you know develop all these skills? Is that enough? Well, you gotta have that skills and love. Yeah, you gotta have that little bit. Things things need to need to tilt uh, your your way. Yeah. Thank you so much, Dimo. Like this has been so insightful. I did not expect this at all. And 
just now the last one minute of the podcast is just um, this is actually you use the word curiosity quite a few times and this is podcast is called the curiosity podcast i don't know if you knew that i, I knew that you knew yeah. that okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, now the last round is just a few rapid fire questions right. uh, just a basic question that people want to know uh, first my first question always is what is the turning point in your life that brought you to here today but i think turning point was getting that email for you probably well and and having the curiosity so so you got you got you know there's it the, works the, both the two ways. the two yeah. work together yeah okay um so uh, these are just basic rapid fire questions uh what is your star sign oh well, i think i'm a taurus if you mean this this is that is a taurus yeah okay so, um yeah. what's your favorite movie <laughs> you don't know but haven't thought about that <laughs> yeah um I don't know actually. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh favorite musician. That's why I, I I grew up uh, I I like Metallica quite a lot. Metallica. I still oh, I still nice. do. So so there's there's You like rock music. Yeah, uh, I like well I go from rock music to classical. So I, I do the full I can switch from one to another in mm. in, in in no time. So <laughs> so there's there's quite a lot of things. So it's it's very difficult for me not to like things. I always find I always find the positive. You always do. In uh, yeah. Uh, do you have a, like a favorite song or something? There are many favorite songs. Many, yeah, many favorite <laughs> a songs. A few, a few. So, uh, Master of Puppets is the. Uh, is the is that yeah. I like that song because of the. Uh, because there's something about the rhythm that, that um, kind of energizes you. Yeah. I always find it quite very very energizing. Um, do you have a favorite food? Favorite food. I have a lot of favorite foods, uh, <laughs> but being Bulgarian, I like. Cheese, cheese, white cheese. <laughs> okay. I can't call it feta. The Greeks. That's Greek. Don't, yeah. The Greeks own the feta, <laughs> but our, but Bulgarian cheese is the best. And you, do you still watch football? Which club do you support? Um, I like Barcelona. Barcelona. From, yeah. Yeah. Yes. There's a Messi. No, not the Messi. The Barcelona from you know when I was growing up, we had a Bulgarian player, Switchkov, uh, who, who, who used to yeah, play. Yeah, yeah, and so, I so I. They, they, my favorite. I had the favorite Bulgarian team, and they played Barcelona is in the in the Champions League, and and it was the that game he he scored a famous goal with a lopped the ball over the keeper, and oh. they signed him up after after that game. Wow. So, so that that was that was those early uh, kind of early formations. Uh, so I like Barcelona. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I want to be respectful for your time. I know you have a meeting at three, so I'm going to stop it now. Uh, thank you so much okay, for doing thank this. Thank you, Rahul. Yeah, pleasure. And I'll see you soon. Thank okay. you.